before we get started, I need to mention that the Cyber 40 sale is currently still going on. A lot of people stop their sales after Monday. We're not one of those people um, or one of those companies. Through December 7th, you can use promo code Cyber40 and get 40% off any PFF subscriptions. Even if you have a PFF subscription already, maybe you want to get the college uh, edition or you want to upgrade or something like that, use promo code Cyber40 to get 40% off that move. Or you're in the giving spirit, Christmas is coming, and you want to give someone an awesome gift, use promo code Cyber40 and get yourself 40% off that PFF subscription for you or anyone who you love. Welcome in to the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Eager. I'm joined by one of the smartest betting minds that we have and a good friend of mine, somebody who I love just watching football and degenerately betting with, Ben Brown. How's it going? It's going pretty well. We had a pretty good uh, degenerate weekend here in week 12, so I'm looking forward to uh, carrying it forward here again on week 13. What did you think of that Monday night Football backdoor cover by the Eagles at six and a half points. What are you ben, your takeaways way, from that? You're way ahead of me, buddy. Look, <laughs> PFF Green Line plus three units in NCAA, plus one unit in NFL. Now, a little bit misleading because we would have been down two units, or what? Sorry, one unit. It was a two unit swing yep. on the Philadelphia game. Um, the prop stool did really well, up up about five units on Monday Night Football, five units on Sunday Night Football. So again. Uh, you know, P, you know, go to the pff.com uh, and the, the betting dashboard, giving you some value there. Um, yeah, that game was interesting, right? And it brings up a really good point. I mean, I tweeted it out when it was happening. Now, I, you know, even though our model liked Philly, I was sort of more on the the Seattle teasers, right? One of our, right. me and George's picks that week was Seattle. I think on our, our betting account, we have like seven teasers tied to Seattle minus one, minus a half a point or something. But... I was still following along because, you know, I, I wanted to see how the closing line did. And I tweeted out, you know, the good news for Eagles betters is that they will totally go for two here if they score. It, it, it's been a historic, like, you know, and, and our, our friend Namita, you know, you know, worked for them for a while. Now she's on the Seattle Kraken. But, like, they're an analytically driven team. One of the easiest edges is going for two when you're down eight after scoring a touchdown. Um, our own uh, colleague, Kevin Cole, wrote about this before he worked for us. It's basically more or less a 12.5% uh, increase in win chance when you do that. And the Eagles are one of the teams that does it. So, Ben, when I think about it, we always think of the key numbers, 3, 7. But what I've, what I've thought about doing, you know, especially when it comes to teasers, like you almost have to tease through that 8, right? Because seven's no longer the key number that you think it is, and a lot more games land on 6 and 8 because of these right. decisions that are being made. Yeah, it's something that I definitely want to look at, basically, but I do agree with you that the fact that we're seeing more teams go for two uh, highlights the fact that, you know, six and eight are becoming much more key numbers. I think in our minds, you know, we're trying to tease across that key number seven, but I think, you know, and we talked about this yesterday when we were debating on teasing uh, the Seahawks basically from six and a half down to one. And you kind of stressed like, you know, that is sort of a significant number getting across six at that point. And now you're not getting across the seven, um, but you do still pick up value. So I think, you know, previously minus seven and years past used to be right around games used to land right around 4.7% of matchups, six, minus six, 3.6% of matchups. 
eight, you know, was a little bit lower at 2.3% of matchups, but I do think we're seeing a higher percentage of games land um, within the range that we now have between six and eight and less so a seven. So I do think that from not only a teaser perspective, but just betting in general, I do think that you need to have an understanding of where these key numbers not only lived at one point, but are like happening in, you know, the current year 2020, because it is kind of changing faster than what I think people actually anticipate with the, you know, new or, you know, better decision-making process that we're seeing from coaches at this point in time. Yeah, and it, the, the one week that George and I did the the round-robin teasers, like we got lucky not only with Nick Chubb running out of bounds, we got lucky when the Chargers got through the back door to cut it to nine, and then Anthony Lynn, in classic Anthony Lynn fashion, didn't go for the two there, went for the one, game lands eight, right? We won all those teasers at once. The, the eight matters a little bit. So when you think about a Wong teaser, the characteristics of a Wong teaser are to, are to tease through the three and the seven because about a 9% of the games they land on three and about another four land on seven. But now it's like you almost really want to, and George, and you know, I talked to George about this when we were writing up our article, we were going to do another round robin of teasers, but that one of the games got down to one, and I think it was New England. Actually, now that game's a pick em. Um, right. But that game went from two and a half. We did the podcast down to one and a half. And I'm like, I don't know if teasing through just seven, three and seven to seven and a half is worth a write up here. Um, I kind of want that two and a half all the way to eight and a half. So just so you think about teasers and, and Ben, I was at the um, Hollywood casino uh, in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, just down the street from us here in Cincinnati. And, and like when, when I tried to, so they have great uh, prices on player props. If I wanted to bet a player prop, on an offshore book, I'm normally laying 120. At that casino, which is a Camby book, I'm laying 112. That's a good value. But when right. I try to do a six-team te- or six-point teaser, two-team, I'm laying a dollar fifty. Okay, and and right. so I'm not laying a dollar fifty any any at any point. But I'm certainly not laying a dollar fifty if I'm not getting through the the, the eight as well. And, yeah. and that's just something to realize when when you when you need like for example one twenty teaser, you need both sides to be about seventy five percent for that thing to break even. And it's just not the case if you're dangling the eight out there. So I, I would consider teasers probably a value if you're teasing down from eight and a half to two and a half or from two and a half up to eight and a half in the case of the underdog uh, right. there. But the very good discussion, and I think it's something that, you know, um, as people get more acquainted with the betting space, not only do they have to know about these things and about, especially in football, how the points don't, the points don't all have the same value, but also the price. You know, when, when you talk about a teaser, there are some books that offer 110, most are offering 120. Um, and if you're going to lay 120, you got to go through the key numbers. It's not enough just to sort of like get six points because it's not actually worth it in, in most instances. Speak, speaking of something that might not be worth it in most instances, the Baltimore Ravens are going to go on the road tomorrow or this morning or whenever, like whenever this is this posted, this afternoon, let's say, um, to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers 10-0. Uh, and the um, six and four Baltimore Ravens come in. Baltimore um, losers, I, be- I believe, three of four here, including one to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, not not having Lamar Jackson, not having a, a number of people uh, that are normally uh, contributors to the Ravens. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers here are ten point favorites here. Um, what do we make of this game, Ben? 
Right. I mean, I think we in general, our ELO model, uh, our market implied ratings, things like that are kind of higher on the Ravens than what uh, the betting market, I would say, is probably classified as at this point in time. We kind of we have the we have the Ravens fourth overall in our ELO rankings. Steelers basically third. I think the Saints are obviously second in that case. So I think that we have been just a little bit lower on the Steelers throughout the whole 2020 season. We probably held firm to our priors a little bit more than what we should have for the Ravens at this point in time, especially what they've shown relatively recently. But I don't know. I feel like 10 is still a pretty significant margin. Of course, you get in the backup quarterback at RG3. Uh, you know, a lot of other factors working against the Ravens at this point in time. It's a game that they probably want to just get through and move on from. But it is kind of significant for, you know, their playoff chances at this point in time. So I do expect maybe just a little bit better of a performance than what uh, the market actually anticipates. But I don't know if I'm too comfortable laying the 10 point spread at this point in time i would say i'd probably lean more towards getting some player props or uh maybe something on the game total though i'd probably lean towards the under at that point in time i don't know i think i'm kind of maybe uh still wanting to fade the steelers in general i think maybe my best course of action in doing that is probably getting on something like ben roethlisberger under 1.5 passing touchdowns especially if you're seeing that at plus money but there are a few situations where i just see this game playing a lot slower um, than what even the game total probably projects out at this point in time. So I do think the unders are probably the correct play from the player prop market. Do you agree with that? I think so. I mean, we have the Ravens right now with a 2% chance to win the division. Cleveland actually with a 5% chance. And Pittsburgh with, an, with the remaining 92%. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, you know, Baltimore right now at about 68% uh, to make the playoffs. Let's look at what, what FanDuel has them at right now because i do think i i was just writing our our um our, our futures piece and i don't think um i didn't think there was much value on the ravens here let's look here ravens yeah the ravens right now to make the playoffs are minus 225 so that's a little bit um yeah that's right about on market there so it looks like our simulation uh is, is on par there um man i you know i can see obviously um, you know the Ravens playing inspired football. They haven't practiced in a whole week. Right, like, that is. I there, think there's that's all the these thing, things right? where, like, you know, a, a model can really like. The problem is, and again, this is a so we I let because there's no games tonight, and there's no games. You know, there, there's just only four college football games. We'll get to those in a second. Like, let's talk a little bit of shop here. But like, when you build a mathematical model, try to predict games. Right, like the the hard part is that you want to capture things that happen enough but happen you know infrequently enough where like obviously they they can be put into a model and there's and you're not just chasing noise so what are right. those things well okay playing three straight row games that's infrequent but it happens enough to see that there's probably an edge um playing what two straight you know uh road games that happens a lot um not playing not having any of your starters and having eight games off or eight days off of practice and a bunch of consternation because you're the team that pushed this game back six days. That doesn't right. happen very much, right? So I mean, I mean not is, in the year 2020, I guess. At this point, this is why honest. you know you you require yourself as a human being, I think, um, to to you know sort of intervene. And while you know, I think most statistical models would tell you that the right side here is it's Baltimore. Um, you're not going to see me with a Baltimore ticket, right? I mean, it's a really good point because I do think, you know, 
wise people have said, like building a really good sports betting stats-based model is a really good starting point, but especially in the year 2020, our Lord, there is some intuition that needs to be taken into account. And the best thing about having a predictive model is the fact that you kind of understand some of the blind spots and things that aren't necessarily put in as inputs into the model, which I do think, you know, helps you kind of understand at least, you know, certain spots and like you touched on certain situations that just don't happen frequently enough to actually be worthwhile into a model where you're actually overfitting, um, you know, into two specific of scenarios. So I think this is definitely one of those situations. It just comes down to whether you buy into the Ravens being capable of playing some sort of inspired football. Because I think, you know, looking at basically the past situations that we've had this happen in 2020 so far, the Titans... Uh, kind of overperformed when they had their schedule moved back. And then in other situations, we've obviously seen it play out um, where the team basically just got decimated. Like, you know, in some ways the Broncos, even though that game didn't necessarily get yeah. pushed back at any point in time. Well, so. it shows it shows sort of the, the lack of insight when, like, San Francisco basically gave up a game to the Green Bay Packers on that Thursday night. Right. Um, you know, the markets only had them as about six-point underdogs, I want to say. Uh, and they got blown out, and now they're just a game out of the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? With with right. a sweep um, uh, of the Rams. So you know the NFL sort of you know picking and choosing winners is not you know my favorite thing in the world. Like I, I don't think the Broncos are going to make the playoffs, but they ba- they basically went through that game a because they they thought the outbreak was contained, but also b because the the sort of outcome of that game was hashtag relatively known, um, right. but it was still. Not a, not a great move, you know. The the Baltimore's probably going to be a playoff team this year, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you you move mountains to to move the game. But in any event, uh, you know, sort of going to be a fun Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to be at the office, and then George and I are going to record the PF forecast with former uh, New England Patriot and Indianapolis Colt Darius Butler um, after. So that'll be a fun day. Uh, let's go to NCAA Greenline. Now, we had, we've had we had two losing weeks for Greenline. One was like negative half a unit. The other was uh, two weeks ago. We rebounded last week with a winning week. Um, there were some games I wish we could have we also we could have won, but it was ultimately ultimately good. Boston College was my, my, my highlight of the week. And I think my highlight of this week is going to be in a team that I like and I've backed a number of times this year, but I'm going to fade this week. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns, a former home of Raymond Calais, at the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Ben, Appalachian State second in Sunbelt ELO, second in offensive Sunbelt ELO, first in defense, the La La Raging Cajuns, 1-1-2. So we're talking about the two, the class of the Sunbelt here, right. facing off at 8.30 on Friday. Um Appalachian State laying two and a half in this game. Uh, total on at 53. We like Appalachian State, Ben. Tell me why. I mean, I like Zach Smith. I think, or Zach Thomas, sorry. I do think he's the much better quarterback in this matchup. Um, you know, we've seen decent production from the Raging Cajuns, but most of that was coming on the defense and, uh, you know, rushing the football. So Levi Lewis doesn't necessarily do it for me the same way Zach Thomas has. He's been somebody that we've kind of backed, you know, more recently. And I do think that the spread um, is kind of reflective of the fact that they do have the better quarterback in this matchup. I also think, you know, they do have, you know, a really solid coverage unit 
according to our opponent adjusted grade. So I do think that um, maybe that doesn't play as well into the strength of the Rage and Cajuns at this point in time. But I still think that uh, Appalachian State is definitely the correct side at anything below basically a field goal spread, which is what we have here um, on Friday night. Is it Friday or Thursday at this point? It, well, who knows? Friday. Friday right now Friday. it's scheduled for Friday. The, the interesting thing about college football, they have not in any way, shape, or form felt the need to move games they just right like uh, within a week they'll just push the thing back we'll be playing football in march they they cancel games or they move games to different weeks they do not move games from one day in a week to another day in a week which i think it, it, it's interesting ben like i i think i've said this to you privately it's clear that the goal for college football is to play some games every week. And they have the numbers right. to do it, right? There's 40 games. <laughs> like, you know, if seven get canceled, you're still fine. What, or, you know, from that, you know, the goal is perspective. The NFL is clearly, let's play every game. <laughs> and and we've seen the, the, the ramifications thereof. Uh, if you listen to this podcast and this game ends up being canceled, we obviously apologize. <laughs> I do think, though, it's better to lay lay the points on the Mountaineers in a game that you like than to force it on a game, you know, like a North Texas or a Utah State or UNLV right. um, in, that in a game that's actually played. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I think this Saturday will be pretty fun. It doesn't look like there's a ton of value for us on the board. I think our, our model's pretty right. on market. Um, I kind of think it looks of what, like that for both college and NFL. At this yeah, point I did time, bet I some. Think... I did bet some Georgia Southern. I did bet some Oregon State. They they were a team uh, that you know came back and won against Oregon in the fog uh, last Friday. That was sort of impressive. Uh, if you like Payne, bet Syracuse plus thirty three and a half at Notre Dame <laughs> uh, in a letdown spot for the Irish. But uh, you know, other than that, you know, I think when these numbers move vis a vis COVID, we'll start to see a little bit more value. Um, Oh, Michigan State. They, people have bet Michigan State. I think I like Ohio State laying the 23 and a half. And in any Have event, um, Ben, this was fun, as it always is. Uh, we had a little bit of a different week. We talked even NFL on this show, which we normally don't do. Um, you have one of the, you know, I think, best podcasts in PFF that, that goes uh, you goes up on Saturday morning, DFS, uh, college oh, betting. I got a good guest this week, too. I'm a big fan of the Forecast podcast, but Andy Molitor is going to be on with us in the Friday-Saturday edition, which is Andy, just... by the way, is like the two of us, a Minnesotan. Exactly. Um, also, like, also like the two of us, Andy has, has earned a, a full-time job in sports. Um, I'm really proud of him. He, he's, uh, he's the chief content expert at BetSports now. Right. And I and I have no doubt he will be a very good guest for you. So that's amazing. Okay, so your podcast is normally great. It'll be even better uh, on Saturday morning. You give out player props. You give out um, not player props. You give out uh, prize picks. Some you give out picks. Uh, derivatives, derivatives. You give out picks, and those have been spot on all year. Plus, college DFS is a level of degeneracy that I think only the 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 select few can appreciate. Few appreciate. And we are in that select few. So thanks again for that. Ben, this has been fun. Um, for Eric, that's Ben Brown. The PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care.